Today, what I want to lead us into study is, this is actually a pretty long sermon, but I'm not going to do all of it today, so, okay? <laughs> so, I'm going to break it down maybe the next two weeks or maybe the next three weeks or so um, to focus on gray areas, gray areas, those areas that, you know, oftentimes when we come from our own culture background or our own ex- personal experience and things of that sort, and as we approach Christianity, how do we discern God's will within these gray areas, right? How do you discern certain things that maybe, you, you know, you, your whole life you've been doing it, you know? And how do you discern if this is something that God still wants you to do? And these are, these are what I call the gray areas. And so we see in every culture, in every culture, in every church, and in, in every single relationship, there are always certain practices that are not so black and white, Okay, they're not so black and white, and they're, they're, they're questionable practices, they're gray areas. And so when we, we can easily think of these things, all right, when we can easily think of these things in the church, you know, we have traditions and things of that sort that we often do in the church. Many times those traditions may not come from the Bible, but, you know, they are traditions that we have been doing for maybe, you know, the, the last 50 to 100 years or so. So how do we discern if we should continue to go on with these things? How do we discern? whether or not these things are things that we need to keep. And so, you know, there's two things that I, that I often find when we talk about gray areas. One thing are traditions, right, the tra- traditions that we have. And the Hmong culture, the Hmong culture is a very, very traditional culture. It's a very, very traditional culture. And so, so many things that the Hmong culture does is based upon tradition. They have a saying that uh, goes, um, right? And the Mongols know what that is. And what that basically, when we literally translate that into English, it basically means grandma, since grandma and grandpa did it, right? So we do it. So that's basically what it means. And so it's an emphasis on tradition, right? It's an emphasis on keeping tradition because your ancestors or your parents or your grandparents, they have done it. And so one of the things, one of the traditions that Hmong people have is how they say it's pay. It's pay or it's to, uh, to prostrate. It's, it's a way in which the Hmong culture has always given thanks to people. So, you know, whenever there's a funeral or whenever someone, someone comes to your house and, or, or a wedding or whatever it is, one of the, one of the things that they've always done in the Hmong culture that they've always done is to just prostrate before that person. And that is the way, or for them, it's called pay. You know, it's a way in which they give thanks. Now, there's a lot of controversy with this. There's a lot of controversy with this because some Christians say, well, you know what, we should no longer do that at all. Because in the Bible, the angel says to um, John that you should not bow down before anybody. Right? You should not bow down before anybody. And so there's a lot of controversy about this. And so some people, Yeah. Okay, so basically some, some Hmong Christians will say that, you know, you can't, you can't do this at all. It's a tradition, it's a culture that, that needs to be just put away. And, you know, if we want to thank somebody, they come, we just shake their hand and say thank you, you know. We don't have to prostrate, we don't have to bow down before them 
anymore. So there's some that says that. Now there's another group that says, you know what, it's okay to do it. It's okay to do it as long as you're doing it to people who are who are before you, right? The, the living, as long as you're prostrating before the living. Because in the Hmong culture, if you go if you go marry a, a a your bride, you're not only prostrating to, or you're not only bound down to their parents and their brothers and sisters, but you're bound down to all the way to the beginning of their family family history. So all of the ancestors, right? Even though they're dead, you know, been dead for a hundred years or whatever, you still have to bow down to all of them. Okay, so this is a sign of respect uh, that they see um, towards their ancestors. And so some Christians are saying, you know what, it's okay for us to bow down before people who are living, but let's not do it anymore for those who are already dead. All right? Those who are dead already, you know, there's no reason for us to do that anymore. They see that as a form of worship. And then another thing that is traditional in the Hmong culture is the three-day funerals, right? And so, you know, the idea of the three-day funerals, I, I heard that back in the old days it was seven days. I don't know. I've never seen a seven-day funeral, so I don't, I don't know. But uh, I, I've seen, you know, here traditionally what I have seen, what I have observed is always this three-day funeral. It's very tiring, okay? Especially the non-Christians, uh, for the non-Christians, when they do it, the, traditionally the way that they do it, it's that the, the funeral home has to be opened up for 24 hours for those three days. And so you spend every minute at that funeral home for three days, you know, for three days. For the Hmong Christians, they've changed that a little bit. They, they, it's not a 24-7 thing anymore, but, you know, it's something that they still do for three days, okay? And it's expected in the culture that, that this is our tradition, this is the thing that we must do in order for us to um, pay respect to those who passed away. And so if you have friends or family in the community comes o- come over to join you for a funeral that you, that you have for your family, and you don't do it for three days, you, the community will say, you know, this family, this family don't know what they're doing. This family is not paying proper respect to, to their parents or they're not paying pro- proper respect to um, 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 the, the dead, right? Because that's tradition. That's tradition. Now, with Americans, with the Anglos here in our mainstream culture here in America, we have traditions too, right? It's not just the moms. We have traditions too. We have all these traditional holidays that we have, such as Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, which to many moms don't really mean too much to them. They don't really, it's not something that's a part of their culture. And so a lot of times when we have a Christmas Eve service, it's not something that's really, really that important to them, right? It's not something that they can really, really relate to. And Thanksgiving is something new. Thanksgiving is something new even for the Hmong cultures. But here in our culture here in the United States, Thanksgiving is something that, that we celebrate every single year. You know, many times to, to the Hmong, to the Hmongs, and even to me when I was young, was that, you know, this was just a time for me to get out of school, right? So it was just a time to get out of school. I don't. I didn't really understand the significance of it, and it never really meant much to me because I, I didn't come from that background. And so, but it's something that in in the American culture we have our own tradition too. You know, and a lot of times even in the church we have our worship music, the type of music that we use in our church traditionally. And so this is always an issue in the church. Even the Reformed fathers, when they left the Catholic Church, many of them felt that. There should be no more music in the church. Many of them took away the organ from the church because they felt, I mean, they, they had a point to it. They, they, they didn't just do it 
blindly. They had a point to it because they felt that, you know what, if, if we keep playing music in the church, then we're going to come to church to, to focus on that music, to, to, you know, to, to be entertained with that organ. And so our hearts are not going to be with God anymore, so we're not going to be worshiping God anymore. And so even some of our Reformed fathers, uh, when they, they left the Catholic Church, they took out music, they took out the, the, the organ from the church. And not only that, and we also have a lot of church tradition that varies from each church, to you know, from one church to another. Many different uh, church traditions that we practice that, um, in, our, our, um, in our churches for our, our Anglo congregations and for the mainstream culture here in America. And then the other thing is superstitious beliefs. There are superstitious beliefs. And my father and I, we were talking about this the other day, too, because my, my brother is about to go get married. And so, you know, my father just felt that one, one superstitious belief is this, that you can't have anybody that's divorced to go with you during a wedding because they will bring karma to the relationship, right? And then that, 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 that couple will end up being divorced too. So, so my father and I, we talked about some of these superstitious beliefs from, from the Hmong culture. And there's another uh, superstitious belief. We have 18 clans. Yeah, go ye saying. And, and all those 18 clans, we all have different superstitious beliefs within those 18 clans. For the Yang clan, for the Yang clan, the, our superstitious belief is that we cannot eat heart. Okay? I, I cannot eat a heart of, a, of an animal. Uh, the belief is that if, if I eat a heart of an animal, then I will become blind. And all the Yangs here, we, we have that superstitious belief, okay? And so, you know, there's a story behind it. There's a reason behind it and things like that. Um, I, I just think that maybe somebody, uh, some, some of the elders, you know, they, they ate the heart and the heart was really good, so they just came up with some kind of story to prevent us from eating a heart. That's what I think, but, you know, they have their own story, right? They have their own story as to why we can't eat a heart. And so my whole life, I've never eaten a heart before. Uh, when I was younger, it was really be, be, simply because my parents told me that you can't eat a heart because you're a yang, right? So, and then as I got older, I look at the heart, and it's not something I want to eat anyways, you know? <laughs> so, so I've never eaten a heart my whole life. You know, I look at it, it's, I don't know, it doesn't interest me, you know? And so I've never eaten a heart my whole life. How, how many of you guys have eaten a heart of an animal? Oh, is it pretty good? Oh, is it? Okay, I don't know. See, I don't know, because when I was a kid, you know, when I was a kid, oh, is it? Okay, yeah. Yeah, you, we, we still can't eat that as, as a yang, okay? So we can't eat that, so... Uh, yeah, see, they don't eat too, see? <laughs> She's just family, they're yanks too, so they don't eat too, right? So these are some superstitious um, beliefs that um, we have. And I know some yang families that uh, after they become Christians, they, they decide that they're going to eat the heart, okay? And so these are some superstitious beliefs. Uh, along with, you know, having pepper during a wedding, things of that sort, they believe that if you have pepper, then you're, that pepper is really hot, so it's going to give the couple a hot temper throughout their whole marriage. They're going to be fighting and things like that. Umbrella during, during wedding, they believe that the, the umbrella is to protect the bride, all right? So these are some superstitious beliefs from the monks. With us here, with us in mainstream culture, as, as Anglos and here, here in the United States, we also have superstitions that, superstitions that we believe in. Do you guys know what the superstitious belief is behind bridesmaids? Anybody? Bridesmaids. Why? Yeah, bridesmaids. Yeah, having bridesmaids. What, what, was the, what was the reason for that? Well, the superstitious beliefs behind that 
is that they believed in spirits also back in the days, right? They believe in, in spirits also. So they have these multiple, um, they have these bridesmaids, these multiple people that dress up similar to the bride. And the whole point, the whole point behind that is to confuse the spirits. Yeah, so the spirits, so the spirits won't, you know, possess the bride and things of that sort. And so that's the, that's a superstitious belief, even behind bridesmaids, having bridesmaids, and it's become part of our tradition, but that's the original belief. Do you guys know why we say, um, bless you when, when people sneeze? What is the superstitious belief behind that? Right. Yeah, they used to believe that, that the spirit, the soul, is part of your breath. And so when you sneeze, your soul is now leaving your body. And so they say, bless you, right? So they say, bless you to keep the soul inside. And the, the monks, the monks have similar beliefs to that too. They, they, a lot of times the monks, they believe that you're sick because your, uh, your soul has left the body. So they, they do these chants to call the soul back to be, to be in the body. And so to go on that, of course, we have that can't break a mirror, right? Can't break a mirror. You have, you have seven years of bad luck, can't walk under the, uh, a ladder and things of that sort. And so we have all kinds, all kinds of different, what was that? Black cats. Black cats. Anything else that, that, that? Throwing rice at the Throwing rice at the, can you, what happens when you do that? What's the belief of that? I don't know. You know? Oh, do you? <laughs> okay. Walking under a ladder, right? Right? So, I mean, each culture, we all have these superstitious beliefs, and we all have these traditions. And so as we come to Christ, one of the things that we, we're going to need to do is we need to be able to discern in these areas as to are these things still things that are, um, are applicable to our lives. And that's what, that's what um, I want to talk about here the next few weeks. It's about discerning God's will within these areas. Okay, within these gray areas, within the areas of tradition and superstitious beliefs and things of that sort. Okay, and so today I'm going to end the sermon here just to share a little bit about you, just give us a little introduction as to what we'll be talking about in the next couple of weeks. Okay, so let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for being with us, and as we come together, we pray that uh, we'll be able to discern your will among the gray areas of our lives and among our culture and the practices of our lives. Father, the most important thing is that in all things that we do, that we bring much glory to you. And so, Father, we lift everyone up to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.